Would you like to see the big guy? The big guy? The skipper, the chief, the head honcho, the jerk who runs this place? <laughs> yes, yes, would. I'm a grumpy old man. I don't like everything the way it is now compared to the way it used to be. I don't like television. In my day, we had radio, and you couldn't see anything, and it was primitive and lousy, and we liked it. We liked it fine. We didn't have this technology. Yeah, look at these itty-bitty microphones. I hate them. So tiny and efficient. In my day, we had giant microphones the size of a watermelon, and they were cumbersome, and they'd block your face so no one could see you, and the only sound that came out was a statically gobbly gloop. And that's the way it was, and we liked it. Um, uh, uh, I'm Barack Obama. Uh, 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 I approve this message. The Jimmy Z Show is produced, written, and directed by Jimmy Z. The show is wholly owned by Jimmy Z, all rights reserved. Content from other sources belong to the copyright holder and or speaker. In each case, Jimmy Z can be reached via email at the Jimmy Z Show at gmail.com. Here we go, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here we go! Yeah! Open Gangnam Style! Yeah! Here we go, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Here we go, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 This is Jimmy Z. Huh? I'm on the radio. I don't I don't know you. I'm Jimmy Z. It's the Jimmy Z show. Huh? I'm Jimmy Z. You're what? I'm Jimmy Z, the the conscience of conservatism. Well, I don't know you. But I know you. Jimmy? Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, that dang old internet, man, you just go on there and point and click, 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 click. It's real easy, man. Prepare to be astonished! Hi, everybody! Hello, everybody, and welcome. Jimmy Z, the big Jimmy Z show. The Z-Cast. Right here, doing this program for you. (laughs) 
All right. I'm uh, looking at uh, some uh, weird volumes here, but um, I think you can hear me. You know what? If my volume is a little different today than it might have been last time, I think you can make an adjustment, right? (laughs) I think you could turn it up if it's a little lower than it might have been last time. Or if it's a little higher than it was last time, you could turn it down a bit. Durr. All right, um, you know, I wasn't going to do a Rush Limbaugh program. And as the day wore on, I thought uh, maybe I will. Because first off, I I don't want to say, I'm not going to say, that I started doing my own radio show because of Rush Limbaugh. In fact, at the time I started doing the Jimmy Z Show back in 2009... I wasn't really listening to Rush Limbaugh on a regular basis. And that's that's not because... Look, the guy was on the radio for umpteen years. A, a huge number. Like 30 years, I think, was the last big anniversary. So for 30 years, I listened to Rush off and on. I didn't listen to him every day. There was a time in my life when I did. I had him on the radio every day. And when he took a break three or four of us would stand up in our cubicles and talk about what was just said. And that was in an engineering firm in Irvine way back when. So, yes, I did listen to Rush Limbaugh a lot, but not every day and not for long stretches of time because there's, first off, there's music to listen to. And I love putting headphones on, listening to music and working. So, that's a lot of the listening I did at work, and that's when Rush Limbaugh was on during the time I was at work. So anyway, I didn't start all this because I was a Rush Limbaugh fan, and I thought, oh boy, man, I got a radio voice, I got to do Rush Limbaugh. That wasn't the deal. What what prompted me, and I've talked about it before, was the fact that I just like listening to myself in, in headphones, And that I started doing this when I was in junior high school, put on headphones, pick up a microphone and talk to my buddy across the street. We mailed cassette tapes back and forth later, but it started when Steve and I lived across the street from each other. And my mom and his mom said, it's time to, you know, it's time to go inside. It's time to do your homework. So we started recording cassettes and we would run across the street and dropped off, drop off the cassette I recorded in his mailbox. And, uh, he'd put the record, the recorded cassette that he made in my mailbox and we'd grab it and listen. And that's how all this started. It was back in 1971. Okay. 1971. Yes. I am the old guy. At the start of this program, I am the grumpy old man that uh, hates these newfangled tiny microphones. <laughs> it cracks me up when he says, so small and efficient. <laughs> In my day, we had these big giant microphones the size of watermelons, and we liked it. Anyway, so we started in 1971, about 1973 or 74. My family moved from Colorado back to California. And so we started sending these cassettes back and forth in the mail. This program is an extension of that. 
except where uh, when I was making a cassette for Steve and I was 16 years old, every belch and every fart was recorded in pristine stereo glory. (laughs) And uh, now, you know, I'm not doing it so much that way. So the Jimmy Z Show was started because I love microphones and I love headphones and I love recording and so there you go. And that's one reason why I record the show and I don't do a live program because I can control a lot more of the quality of the recording and the production and I can add uh, <clears throat> I can add um, uh, sound bites and things that I want to do that I could not if I were doing a live show. Now, I could if I had a producer, but... Um, yeah, it's it's a solo act right now. It's a one-man show. So anyway, uh, still, Rush Limbaugh had a huge effect on the way I formulate my arguments and, and my discussions on the program. There, there's no way he couldn't have that kind of influence because I did listen to him for untold hours. It might not have been... <clears throat> It might not have been 30 years straight, but still, like uh, Sean Hannity said today, Limbaugh is the start of everything, everything in conservative talk radio. He's the guy. Now, it, it is sad, and I'm not going to read any such comments, but there are leftists and Democrats absolutely celebrating on the Internet, and, and you can't help but feel bad for these people. Imagine... Uh, let's say, uh, I, who's the guy I despise most right now? Might be one of the guys on CNN or MSNBC. Don Lemon, I think, is a really crappy guy. Really crappy guy. So let's say Don Lemon passed away tonight. Would I celebrate tomorrow morning? Hell no. You don't celebrate death. Democrats do because they are the party of death. Why do Democrats love death so much? Because they are fully invested in abortion, for one thing. Abortion is all about death. And one thing Limbaugh used to say, he said that uh, abortion is the sacrament of liberalism. The greatest and most important sacrament of liberalism. And, as usual, Limbaugh is completely correct. Now, I've got some audio. I want to play some audio for you. And some of this you may have heard, but um, I'm going to try and keep this to a minimum of the things that you have heard today. And those of you listening on, uh, what, Thursday and Friday and Saturday, you know, a few days ago, you probably heard some of these things, but I'm going to keep that to a minimum. I've got some original, well, not original, but I have some uh, audio clips of Limbaugh that I don't think people are playing. Some of my favorite bits. And uh, what we're going to start with is... I went the whole day today on the verge of tears listening to Limbaugh's program. And I didn't listen a lot because they just played a lot of um, uh, like classic Limbaugh. And I didn't want to hear Rush Limbaugh talking in the past on the day that he passed away. I would have rather heard what, um, and I did hear more of what I wanted to hear on Hannity later, where people were reflecting on Rush Limbaugh and, and what he meant to talk radio and to, more importantly, conservatism. 
But um, when I was listening to these programs and listening to people talk, it was I was always on the verge of crying. And, and I could feel the tears welling up. It's really weird when you do that. It's like when you, when you feel a sneeze coming on and sometimes it takes you know, five, ten seconds for it to really blossom into... Um, this is how it was with my uh, tear ducts today. I felt them moving and um, like I was close. I was on the verge and then uh, you know, something would come up somebody would cut me off on the freeway or something and I would just uh, think about something else now. But when I got home today, I listened because I, I missed, let me back up a bit, I missed the program today because, listening to Rush because I was listening to music and I was taking care of some pretty important stuff at work today. Which, it, yeah. <clears throat> That's, that's frustrating, but I can't get into it. I'm not going to get into my personal uh, work issues and the things I'm working on. That would be stupid. Now, and all of a sudden, that would, be, that would mean I, it was an engineering show. <laughs> Although I can tell you that uh, AutoCAD 2023D is a tough step when you're coming off of AutoCAD 2009. But... Uh, to back up, I wasn't listening to Rush Limbaugh, and about 9, well, 9.05, 9.06 is when the show begins after the top of the hour news, and I got an email from my listener, Barbara, and we've kept in touch with uh, email over a long period of time, and Barbara sent me this email, and, and to be honest, she sends me a lot of emails I should respond to, and I'm rude, and I respond to like every fourth or fifth email just because I'm busy. I read all the emails that come in, but, um, you know, I, I should hit reply more often. I apologize for that, Barbara. But she sent me an email, and it just said, Rush passed away. And I assume it was because she was listening to the program live, and Catherine Limbaugh, Rush's wife, came on the show and announced his passing. And I have to tell you, that takes such immeasurable it's, uh, it's almost impossible to describe. Her husband, who she obviously loves a great deal, has just passed away, and she makes an announcement to his listeners. That's the kind of people the Limbaugh family are. She knew that his listeners would really benefit by hearing her talk about her her announcement of rush passing away and um i have to hand it to her it's a beautiful five minutes and i'm gonna play it for you right now hello everyone i know that i am most certainly not the limba that you tuned in to listen to today i like you very much wish Rush was behind this golden microphone right now, welcoming you to another exceptional three hours of broadcasting. 
For over 32 years, Rush has cherished you, his loyal audience, and always look forward to every single show. It is with profound sadness I must share with you directly that our beloved Rush, my wonderful husband, passed away this morning due to complications from lung cancer. As so many of you know, losing a loved one is terribly difficult, even more so when that loved one is larger than life. Rush will forever be the greatest of all time. Rush was an extraordinary man, a gentle giant, brilliant, quick-witted, genuinely kind, extremely generous, passionate, courageous, and the hardest-working person I know. Despite being one of the most recognized, powerful people in the world, Rush never let the success change his core or beliefs. He was polite and respectful to everyone he met. Even most recently, when he was not feeling well in the hospital, he was so appreciative to every single doctor and nurse and custodian, and first responder. He never wanted to put anyone out and always thanked them profusely for their help. From today on, there will be a tremendous void in our lives and, of course, on the radio. Rush loved our miraculous country beyond measure an unwavering patriot. He loved our United States military, our flag, our constitution, our founding fathers. He proudly fought and defended conservative values in a way that no one else can. Rush often stood up and took arrows on his own because he knew it was the right thing to do. Rush encouraged so many of us to think for ourselves, to learn, and to lead. He often said it did not matter where you started or what you look like. As Americans, we all have endless opportunities like nowhere else in the world. Rush gave us hope that through hard work and determination, we can overcome the obstacles in our lives and be our best. Many of you started small businesses or pursued personal dreams because Rush gave you the faith that you could. He made the most complex issues simple to understand while making that level of genius look easy. It most certainly was anything but easy. Irreplaceable, remarkable talent. On behalf of the Limbaugh family, 
I would personally like to thank each and every one of you who prayed for Rush and inspired him to keep going. You rallied around Rush and lifted him up when he needed you the most. I am certain, without a shadow of a doubt, if he could be here today, he would be. He loved you and he loved this radio program with every part of his being. Instead, we know our rush is in heaven, encouraging us in the same way he always did on earth. Rush's love for our country and belief that our best days are ahead live on eternally. In Rush's honor, may we all continue Rush's mission in our individual lives and communities. I know all of you listening are terribly sad. We all are. I'm terribly sorry to have to deliver this news to you. God bless you, Rush, and God bless our country. When she says that we know our Rush is in heaven, what strikes me is that she says our Rush. She doesn't say, we know my husband is in heaven. She doesn't say, Rush is in heaven. She says our Rush. She probably, more than anyone else, realized that that she was sharing Rush Limbaugh with his audience because Rush was fully devoted to his listening audience. That's why he was on over 600 stations. That's why he was so beloved by his audience. And it was because he put the audience first. Everything he did. Now, uh, Dennis Prager today said something. He he said that uh, when he was in the middle of his divorce, he was somewhere where Limbaugh was. And um, he asked Rush about uh, what it would be, how he would approach it if um, he was going through a divorce and he was on his show. And and, uh, what if his audience, who was... uh, uh, consisted of a lot of Christians and a lot of conservatives. What if they were put off by a man who was getting divorced, as Prager was? And Limbaugh said, I, I would never think about that. And he paraphrased. He said he couldn't remember exactly what Rush said, but the point was that he never thought about that. He got in front of the microphone and he talked about what was important. Whatever was important to him and what he thought was important for his audience to know. And he did not couch what he was saying in terms of what he thought his audience would respond well to. His show was ultimately very, very honest because of that. And that is certainly something that I will give... Limbaugh credit for uh, also uh, uh, Howard Stern a lot of people have said and mostly to try and um, insult me 
but I thought it was it was a great insult to say that I was like a cross between Rush Limbaugh and Howard Stern. I guess basically, <laughs> basically because I was talking about politics and I was farting or belching. <laughs> More so in uh, the years 2009 through 2014. But um, <laughs> I thought that was a great compliment. No one in radio has a greater voice, a more beautiful radio voice, than Howard Stern. Now, Stern can be cruel, and uh, he can be vulgar, and, and so much so that uh, I used to tune him out. And I, don't, I, I admit, I don't listen to um, Howard Stern now because he's on the satellite radio and I don't pay for it. But when he was on terrestrial radio, I did listen. And boy, my God, what a voice. So if I took something from Limbaugh and something from uh, Stern, then, uh, you know, maybe it's a decent show. Except for the part where I forget words. Eh? That's something we got to do something about. Uh, the stuff I saw on television last night is called Forebrain, Forehead, <laughs> something like that. I forget. I looked it up on uh, Amazon. It's very, very well reviewed. Some people say that it doesn't do any good. And then uh, most people say that it does help in uh, remembering what the hell you're talking about. All right, um, I think what I want to play next is, oh, this is one of my favorite clips, if not my favorite clip of those that I collected over a period of time, and uh, I didn't really collect a lot, maybe a dozen bits and pieces that I thought were especially good, and this is Limbaugh talking about God. If I may get serious with you for a moment. The left, if you believe them, believes that there's one species on planet destroying it. Now all mammals exhale carbon dioxide, but somehow only man, only human beings, carbon dioxide is destroying the planet. It's only man in all of his endeavors, particularly Capitalist man, Western culture man, those are the culprits. These, we are the real culprits. We are destroying the planet. The one species on the planet that's destroying. Why does the left think this? I'll tell you what I think. We, human beings, are the only species who have the capacity to know and understand the concept of God. No other species has the slightest clue. A fish doesn't even know it's in water. A dog doesn't know it's a dog. And who the hell knows what cockroaches think? I don't even want to contemplate it. To know God is something unique for all species on the planet. It's us. We're the only ones who know God, who can conceive God and all that that means. Therefore, to the left, to know God is the single most destructive part of the human mind. That's what has to be destroyed. Faith in God, belief in God, that's the real 
And there are many enemies of the left, but that's... If you go to any communist country, the first thing they do is wipe God and religion out of everybody's mind. The state becomes God, and whoever's running it at the time becomes the Messiah. There is no God other than the state. See, God put us here to procreate, to experience his gifts. The left, in order to ultimately succeed, has to end our understanding of God's existence and purpose. And therefore, we're not going to fix this economic mess until we fix our moral mess. Our country is in a moral shambles. And until we fix the moral destruction that has crept over our culture, we're not going to be able to really fix anything else. And when you start talking about fixing the moral mess, then you really cause the left to rise up and come after you. So you strip all this stuff away, what's at the root of it is a belief in too many people in something other than the state, something other than the government. If you strip away God, because everybody, a human being has to believe in something, a higher power, a human being, even atheists, they've got something that has a higher power. It could be another human being, it could be an institution that the human being put together, but there's got to be something. If you strip God out, it has to be the state. And so that's what's happening. Hello? Oh, I needed to turn on the microphone again. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? This um, clip of Limbaugh was from sometime during the Obama administration. So it's quite a few number of years ago. Quite... Hello? It's quite a few years ago. And it probably applies more now than ever. Pretty amazing. Um, for those of you who are listening, there may be a few of you, this is the first time you tuned in. First uh, MP3 uh, Zcast that you're listening to. And I just want to point out that most of the time, I don't play nearly this much audio. But uh, this is a special circumstance. Usually, you get to hear what I think. But I think that um, today, I was going to have a lot to talk about. I have a big list of things I want to comment on from my Facebook page. But in fact, I, I don't think that mixing those together right now, I, like I said, I was going to spend, uh, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven minutes talking about Rush and leave it there, but I, I can't do that because I spent the whole day thinking about him, thinking about his program, uh, thinking about the beginning of the show with the Pretenders theme song, and um, I won't get to hear that anymore. I'm getting old. My heroes are dying. And that includes music heroes as well. I, I don't really have a lot of heroes in the movies, in Hollywood, but um, music heroes, yes, a lot of them. And um, unfortunately, you hear people talking about how uh, 2020 was a tough year because certain musicians passed away. Um, we still have the lion's share of musicians that are alive and they're all getting up into their uh, late 60s, early 70s, mid 70s. 
approaching 80. And it's going to get tough. It's going to get real tough. I think it's amazing. The Stones, if it wasn't for the scamdemic, the coronavirus scamdemic, the Stones would still be on the road. <laughs> they were on the road in the 60s, for goodness sake. Unbelievable. Okay, I want to play the interview from Fox News with uh, former President Donald Trump, the last true president of the United States until we get past the uh, current occupant at the White House. Maybe that's it. We'll just call him occupant because, you know, fraud and all that, whatever. But um, here's Trump reacting to the death of Rush Limbaugh on Fox News this morning. President Trump, are you with me? I am, and it was a great honor to do so when we gave the uh, Medal of Freedom. It was something special. It was an incredible night. Uh, we gave it during the uh, State of the Union address, and it was uh, especially half the room. Half the room went crazy, and the other half the room, they knew, uh, they knew he should get it. But it was special, and he was special. Mr. President, you know, thank I'm, you for I'm joining us. When was the last well, time you, you spoke with Rush Limbaugh? Uh, Three or four days ago, I'd call him just to find out, you know, his, his fight was very, very courageous. And he was very, very sick. And, you know, from diagnosis on, it was just something that was not going to be beaten. But you wouldn't know it. And he is married to an incredible woman, Catherine, who really, every time I spoke to him, he, he would tell me how great she was. She took such great care. He was very brave. I mean, he, in theory, could have been gone four months ago, really. He just... He was fighting till the very end. He was a fighter. While, you were, a great yeah, while you were in the White House, how, how did you view how he either carried on your message or uh, chose to agree or disagree with the policies you had as commander in chief? Well, first of all, you know, you just had Sean on, Sean Hannity, who's incredible. And Sean would say there is nobody like Rush. Sean was the first to say that he I, I used to say, well, what do you think? Someday, and he'd say, he's irreplaceable. Russia's irreplaceable, unique. Uh, he had an audience that was massive. And, you know, he could do something, Bill, and, and uh, he, would, he would get up in the show and would just talk. He wouldn't take phone calls where, you know, people would call in every two minutes and that's sort of easy to do. He would just talk for two hours and three hours, just talk. And that's not an easy thing to do. And I once asked him, I said, do you study for the show? Or, and he said, actually, I study very hard, <laughs> which, which a little bit, Harris, said, a little bit surprised me. But, but he was a fantastic man, a fantastic talent. And uh, people, whether they loved him or not, they respected him. They really did. And if you are just tuning in, we are joined by President number 45, former President Donald J. Trump. And you saw him there along with the First Lady awarding Rush Limbaugh, who has left us today, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And President Trump, I have always wondered, just seeing the look of surprise on Rush's face, what he knew about that moment and what you learned that he was going through in that moment after. He is succumbed to tears. And I was curious, what did he know was coming? So I did tell him beforehand because we didn't have the uh, really the the power of not doing it. You know, Rush was very sick at the time, 
He was at a hospital in Boston. And I didn't want to do the surprise thing. Uh, I wish uh, I wish I could have done that, but we really didn't have that uh, that that uh, power of doing it because he had. To, it was a very difficult thing for him to come into Washington from where he was, and he did it. Mm. And there was questions as to whether or not he was just a very brave guy. He was amazing, and he came in, and it was as he told me, it was the greatest honor of his life. And everybody in the room. Uh, you know, you're talking about the Republicans and the Democrats. Yet half of that room went crazy. You remember the evening well, I'm sure. It was a very unique moment yes. in our country's history, in a sense, because of who Rush is. But half went just absolutely crazy. The other half sat totally dead silent. But 100% of that room respected Rush. It was a unique guy. And he was a, a, he became a friend of mine. You know, I didn't know Rush at all. I had essentially never met Rush and then when we came down the escalator, he liked my rather controversial speech. I made that speech that was a little bit on the controversial side, and he loved it. And he was, without ever having met him or talked to him or, you know, had lunch with him or asked him, he was with me right from the beginning. And he liked what I said, and he agreed with what I said. And he was just a great gentleman, great, great man. All right. Um, that interview goes on <clears throat> another six or seven minutes i think and if you want to hear the whole thing you can go to youtube and search trump reacts to rush limbaugh's death on fox news now then um uh, because it's relevant and i know some of you have probably heard this before but um i think i'm going to play the portion of the i think it was the last state of the union address wherein Donald Trump gave Rush Limbaugh or awarded Rush Limbaugh with the Medal of Freedom. And it's just worth hearing again. What a great night that was. Here tonight is a special man beloved by millions of Americans who just received a stage four advanced cancer diagnosis. This is not good news, but what is good news is that he is the greatest fighter and winner that you will ever meet. Rush Limbaugh, thank you for your decades of tireless devotion to our country. And Rush, in recognition of all that you have done for our nation, the millions of people a day that you speak to and that you inspire, and all of the incredible work that you have done for charity, I am proud to announce tonight that you will be receiving our country's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom.
I will now ask the First Lady of the United States to present you with the honor, please. Rush and Catherine, congratulations. Thank you, Catherine. All right. Uh, one of the things I decided to do here is that I, I did not want to make this all about uh, mourning because it's a celebration of life, a life very well lived. And um, I, I think that it's important not to become... <clears throat> Uh, maudlin about all of this. So I've got a clip here from Family Guy, a- an episode where Rush Limbaugh was the guest and he voiced his own persona on the Family Guy cartoon. I think this is, uh, <laughs> I think this is pretty good. So, Rush, I see you made it here okay. Driving on roads built with public funds by the government. Yeah, what about that, Rush? I guess the government's pretty good, like Lois says. Actually, I took the toll roads. Privately built. Way smoother than the crumbling public road system. Yeah, Lois, government sucks at doing stuff. Oh, no, toll roads sound great. Too bad only the very rich can afford to use them. I agree with Lois. Well, maybe more people could if the government wasn't taxing the bejesus out of them. Now I agree with Rush. I'm too stupid to make up my own mind. Yeah, okay, whatever you say, Rush. So, nice weather today. Yeah, unseasonably cool. I guess we can forget that whole global warming myth. Global warming is not a myth, you son of a bitch. Look, what the hell are you so hostile for? Because you brainwashed our dog. Hey, listen, sister, I just... I'm sorry. Look, all I did was expose Brian to a different way of thinking. He embraced... Oh, God, I'm going to move over here. He embraced it on his own, Lois. Well, after Rush opened my eyes... Well, I gotta tell you, I'm not buying any of this crap. Rush, we want our dog back. Whoa, hang on, Lois. What are you saying? I don't have a mind of my own? That's insulting. And, and you know what? I don't, I don't like the way you've been talking to Rush this evening. You know, I, I thought you were my friends. But if you can't accept me now that we disagree about certain things, then maybe you aren't the friends I thought you were. I'm moving out. What? No! Again? I'm gonna go stay with Rush Limbaugh. Right, Rush? Huh? I'm gonna stay with you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. That, that, that's fine. Ugh, this is a bad idea. But I guess sometimes Fox has bad ideas, huh? Hi there. Jimmy Z here. Um, I have this clip from my show. <clears throat> and I'm, uh, I'm trying to... Re- Shoot. I can't tell right now because I don't have the proper thing open. Hang on a second. I'll go to G. Backup. H. There's that. There's that. 
There is... Nope. Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> you know what? Uh, you just don't need to hear this. Hang on a second. All right. I got it. This was back in 2014. And Rush Limbaugh talking about Mitt Romney. And I'm not going to play the whole thing. It runs 12 minutes, but um, we'll just play a little bit of it. This is one of the clips from Rush Limbaugh that I brought to my show back in 2014. And uh, I don't do that. That's uh, Look, back then, I was um, <laughs> it was like the wild, wild west. And I would bring just about any clip of audio to my program. There was a lot of Limbaugh that was worth listening to. And so I would play some of it on my show and then comment about it. But... Um, you know, you can't do that. I mean, I'm not going to do a show and listen to bits and pieces of Hannity and Limbaugh and Mark Levin. What kind of sense does that make? <laughs> Zero. But this is pretty cool. Here you go. Limbaugh talking about Mitt Romney. It's the Jimmy Z Time War. I want to go back to Rush Limbaugh for a short clip here. He's talking to a caller, and he asks who the caller would support. And the caller mentions Palin and Perry. And then Limbaugh talks a bit about Mitt Romney. And I'm a little surprised that uh, Limbaugh is, is kind of sounding like Romney's okay, like Romney might be the way to go. Now, but you said Romney's not your favorite. Who is? Uh, I'd love to see Sarah Palin run, but I, I, I really want to look at Perry. Well, he's going to fire things up. I mean, there's no question he is going to fire things up. You're going to have with Perry the next debate, you're going to have two presences on stage, not just Romney. You're going to have two. And that's going to be um, uh, interesting, interesting, and both of them governors, which is also a factor. People are reluctant to vote for Romney, I think, for two reasons. One, I think compared to Obama, they're both laughable. One is, is Romney care. I can't vote for him. the same thing as Obama. And the other one is, is religion. Those are the two things that Romney's up against is religion. Well, now I have to talk just a bit about Romney. I, I didn't intend to get into any of, anything like that, but... Um, at the time, and again, that was uh, that clip was from 2014. And uh, to be honest, at the time, we didn't know. We we knew certain problems, but Romney has become such a jackweed, <laughs> such a problem for conservatism that, uh, and and we talked about it. A number of times on the show, but just to review for those people who are perhaps listening the first time, I believe that uh, Romney, everything he does is now out of jealousy because Donald Trump was able was able to do what Romney has most wanted to do his entire life, and that is to be president of the United States. And so Romney is now. A, if he was kind of a jackweed back in 2014, 
today he's like a uh, quadruple or uh, centuple or whatever the word is, uh, jackweed. A five times the jackweed he was back in 2014. <laughs> if that makes any sense. I don't know. But uh, that's why perhaps back then Limbaugh was kind of open to Romney running for president. And voting for Romney, boy, I, I get into a whole thing here, and I'm not going to spend uh, a lot of time on this, but back then, I was not voting for Romney. I didn't care. I wasn't going to vote for Obama, but I was not going to vote for this guy who believes that he would one day be a god of his own planet. And I'm, that's another thing I'm not going to spend half an hour talking about the problems with Mormonism and what Mormons believe that is contrary to Bible teaching. But when somebody comes along and, and they believe in the Mormon doctrine that they are going to one day be the, the God of their own planet and they're going to populate that planet with a bunch of wives producing spirit babies, and that's just touching the very tip of the iceberg of what Mormonism believes. I, I just, uh, I'm not going to vote for that guy. And I took a lot of criticism at the time because, you know, people were saying, well, you're going to end up with President Obama. And again, at the time, I was saying that I would rather have Obama, where we know what he believes, than to have Romney show up and usher in a completely demonic form of presidency. Not that Obama is not demonic, not that what's happening now with the Alzheimer's patient is not demonic. Look, this country is in deep trouble because there is uh, spiritual warfare at play. And, gee, that's not a big topic. <laughs> gee, that wouldn't take uh, five minutes, just five minutes to explain. Uh, you're talking about a whole hour to explain theology and everything that's going on on a spiritual plane. But that's why I created this clip. The Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Restore us again, God our Savior, and put away your displeasure toward us. 
Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants. But let them not turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in your land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. I believe those three verses are Ephesians six twelve and Second Chronicles seven. No, sorry, yeah, seven. <laughs> Five, sir. Second uh, Chronicles seven verses thirteen and fourteen, and then uh, Psalm eighty five verse six. And I clipped those from uh, Bible Gateway, where you can go. I don't know if you know this, but you can go to BibleGateway.com. And you can pick, say, uh, the Gospel of John. And click play and listen to the entire Gospel of John. Pick any book in the Bible and click play. It's really something. It's a great website. So, um, what was I going to say here? Uh... Rush Limbaugh had such a huge audience and now what are we going to do? And like I said on Facebook earlier today, well, we're going to fight on because there, there's no reason why we would just give up and say, uh, you know, to hell with America. It's over. We've got uh, Joe Biden, the Alzheimer's patient the occupant at the White House who is tearing everything down, what are you going to do? You're just going to give up? Nope. Not going to give up. We're going to fight on just as if Rush Limbaugh was here and talking on his program. I am going to pick up some of the slack, as will many others. Uh, there are certainly a lot of, a lot of uh, talk radio hosts who are in a position to do a lot more than I am, the big-name hosts, and I don't need to name them, but uh, Sean Hannity and Mark Levin and a bunch of others. Um, but whatever I can do to attract a few people to listen and to encourage you, this show is never going to be about everything that's wrong in America, everything that's going wrong with Democrats, and uh, take it from a depressing or uh, negative standpoint. I'm never going to do that. This is about what we can do and what we should do and how we turn things around. If we have to turn things around again, that's what we're going to do. If we have to figure out a way to prevent voter fraud and to fight voter fraud, that's what we're going to do. I'm not going to sit here and let the Democrats steal every election from here on out. It's not going to happen. I'm going to fight it. Well, it may happen 
but not without a fight. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do everything we can to protect this country. And I don't know how much fighting we're going. When I say fight at this point, I'm saying fight. Not theologically, uh, uh, logically. And fight on the basis of words and activism, not riots. We're going to leave the riots. Boy, I tell you, there's more and more information trickling out about January 6th. And now Nancy Pelosi says that we're going to have an investigation and we're going to look into what caused all of that on January 6th at the Capitol. And boy, I tell you, I don't think the Democrats are going to want to investigate and find out exactly what happened because, as I said, the the information that's trickling out is showing us that Antifa was behind most of it. Even if they weren't there in great numbers, it didn't take a lot for them to encourage some uh, weak-minded conservatives to go storming into the castle. And that was a big mistake. But I think you're going to find that more and more Antifa was involved from the very beginning and planned all of this ahead of time. And I'll bet you that some members of Congress or, or their assistants or some of their staffers were also involved in getting things going on January 6th. It's going to be very interesting when Nancy Pelosi says we're going to have this investigation and we're going to look into everything that happened on January 6th. Really, Nancy? You really want to find out? And if you do find out what's going on, is the media going to cover it? Right? Is this leftist media of ours going to cover what's been happening? (laughs) What really happened? And make themselves look bad. Uh, I don't think so. All right, so uh, that's it. That's my, for what it's worth, that's my tribute to the GOAT of talk radio, the greatest host of all time, Rush Limbaugh. And now we move on. Because one thing Rush would not want us to do is to sit on our asses and be sad about him passing. He's in a better place now. He's not in pain anymore. And I believe he's being congratulated for a life well lived. Well done. Good and faithful servant. I'm Jimmy Z. It's the Jimmy Z Show. We'll talk again very soon. Until then... Bye-bye for now, everybody. Jimmy Z.